Welcome to Rap Stories, a show where I get the background on some of my favorite albums of all time by the artists who made them. I'm your host, David Dennis Jr., and today I'm joined by New Orleans' very own Currency to discuss his album, Pilot Talk. There's no city like New Orleans. This was especially true in 2010. The city was electric. The Saints had just won a Super Bowl, Lil Wayne was on top of the rap world, and the city was in the midst of rediscovering itself as America's cultural mecca after the destruction from Hurricane Katrina. During that time, I was living in New Orleans trying to get my journalism career started, covering as much of the hip-hop scene as humanly possible. And in the middle of all that was Currency, one of the coolest cats in the city making relatable and fly-as-hell music that made you want to just hang out with him. He, and Saints quarterback Drew Brees, I guess, were the unofficial mayors of New Orleans. Listening to Pilot Talk, his third studio album, takes me right back to 2010 in NOLA and hip-hop overall. Especially when I look at the community that gathered together to forge this incredible album. There was a rare J Electronica guest feature, most deaf who also happened to live in the city on the boards and spitting some bars. Nesby Phipps, who is one of the most dedicated New Orleans legends doing the same. And more. They were all playing off of Currency's Cool. The album is a time capsule of the energy that the Big Easy was exuding in 2010. Currency's charisma is so vibrant that he draws you into every track. He raps about his fly vintage cars, him and his homies running the town, and of course, weed. All of these medicinal inclinations has made Currency one of rap's great marijuana ambassadors. And here, to discuss this seminal album that fans continue to love and adore to this day is the New Orleans icon and another blog-era Hall of Famer, Currency. Welcome to Rap Stories. Come on, man. I'm honored to be here, bro. We are from a time, bro. We are from the era. There's only one. There's different times, periods and time, but I think only one can be titled as an era, and it was indeed the blog era, bro, because everyone was hand-in-hand hand helping one another, like, become whatever we were becoming because the shit had never been done before. Like, we were, we were all breaking space. We were making it to where these kids become millionaires immediately, like, it's, it's, it's nuts. The same conversation that Raekwon had with me is the same conversation I had with Lil Yachty. You know what I'm saying? Like, Raekwon mm-hmm. was like, yo, you're going to make money so fast. Like, it's different now. Y'all can make y'all money super fast. And when I fucking jammed up with Lil Yachty, I'm like, bro, like, you're, uh, there's no point in telling you how fast you can make it. You already fucking made it. Like, you came in the game, picked up because the shit is done, you know, but we created that. We made it to where people become rich from Instagram and shit like that. None of that would be if there was no blog era, bro. Like we, we were startups, all of us, from the artists, the journalists, the fucking website designers, all of us, bro. Like we were all fucking like tossing alleys to each other the whole time. That shit will never happen again, bro. I, I pray that other generations come up with a way where they work like that, you know, but. That was a different time, bro. There was still hating and bullshit, but it was it was a different way, bro. It was different, you know? 
let's talk about the era and the time when this came out. Uh, I mean, that blog era, I mean, I have so much fond feelings of that blog era time for all the reasons that you said and that lasting legacy. But like, I mean, paint that picture for folks who do not know exactly what, what we're talking about. Bro, this was a true sense of community in the blog era. Honestly, man, everybody went to everybody's shit, essentially. The whole era, if you were in the know, it didn't matter what blog you represented or even what artist or what crew you were from. If you were in the know, it was a, like a worldwide cool table that existed. The table was like, was via a laptop or something that you even found where that table was and everybody just jammed up. So then when we would make moves physically and opportunities were presented where people could actually find one another and hang out in a space where you know it's only going to be like-minded people. And that's how artists grew followings and motherfuckers would go to shows and not get shot and shit. And it was like, oh man, you know, like I wasn't the only one who was cool and who was street smart and who was from this shit, but not really into it because I know there's more to the world. And that's where we were. Everyone was there in that blog world because we were the ones who still like the hood, the streets, the muff, like my homies who was busting guns and shit still like knew they had to come to me of fashion for fashion tips and shit too. Right. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I definitely knew like what you should have on, what was the shit. I didn't know the new FN dropped and what kind of bullets was Armour Pearson. <laughs> I didn't know that. But I did know 10 Deep Letterman was out. Didn't know, you know what I'm saying? LRG was doing things. I did know, like, you probably shouldn't wear that. You should wear this. This is new. These guys doing their shit, blah, blah, blah. And through that happening, when, when Pilot Talk dropped, that was when working on Pilot Talk, that was my first time really like being in New York uh, for a long period of time. Um, I had a spot. I was living out there for a year. Um, and at that point, I was able to, to walk into the offices of all these brands that I was supporting. When I was in New Orleans, people were floating me all kind of gear because I dropped so much music. There was always pictures of me on websites, on blogs, because I've dropped a record. So the only thing I have to do is drop the record with some new t-shirt on and brands would keep floating. And I had no money at the time. So fucking, it was a no brainer. Keep rapping, posting pictures with these shirts. You'll never have to buy clothes again. So then when <laughs> I moved to New York, I just start pulling up. I'm like, where's 10 deep? Where's the A-Life store? Like, where are these guys who mail me stuff? I'm fucking showing up. And just in pulling up, like, in stores and shit, I didn't even know, like, what that was. But I was, like, damn near giving motherfuckers free in-stores because I'm pulling up, smoking and just kicking it. And on Twitter, like, just jumped out the fucking cab. I'm in Soho. I'm about to just hang out at the such and such store. And just kick it, and then it's a line, and it fucking go crazy. I don't even give a fuck, because just give me this box of clothes. It don't even matter to me, you know what I'm saying? Like, life was good, and and it was honest, bro. And I would liken it to what I imagine the music climate was, late 60s, early 70s. Because, like, when I said it wasn't no hate involved, that's still underlined, but motherfuckers had to do it on the low and was pulling strings and it just wasn't too much. It wasn't too much bickering and motherfucking rope, you know, just not in the blog realm, not in our right, realm. Right. Mm -hmm. We didn't exist above ground. So I knew what was going on in the industry because I had played that game already. So I was like, nah, fuck that. I was just surprised that that there was a whole realm of people 
that thought like me. It's just that right. the, the, the world didn't see us and we weren't concerned necessarily with with that above ground fame because we only wanted the credit of the actual, how they say the real ones, because that's where the whole blog era was just real ones. That it, it wasn't like it is now where there wasn't no posers and shit now. You know, like there's right. posers, people will pretend to be how we were. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, but yeah, yeah. there was not there was no room for posing because we were the outcasts of everything. Like right. we wasn't mm-hmm. the shit. We wasn't lit. You know what I'm saying? Then it became lit to be like us. You know what I'm saying? We did that shit. And Pilot Talk, (laughs) I think, is near and dear to people because it sonically brings them back to what, when you hear it, you know what it looked like. Right. What it smelled like because you know what kind of weed was around. You know what I'm saying? You knew, you knew um, what it felt like. Just you and, and 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 the way I the way I talk and the way I do my music, I always try to to uh, tell the story, even if I'm not per se saying John bought three beans, he went here, blah blah blah. My raps are still a story, and I like right. to put you into the car with me, put you into the apartment. If I got to describe the color of the carpet, the texture of the carpet, and you can know you'll know what time it was by then. Just by the furnishings and the shit I talk about in the houses and the shit I was trying to get at that time, you know? Like high-rise condos and all that shit had just really come into my world. Right. Obviously, for being at the smoking section and then you being who you are, there was that natural link. We did, like, these uh, videos where you were uh, Myth Blazers. Yeah, Myth Blazers, bro. That shit was legendary. People always ask, like, if if I could bring it back, but it's like, well, no, because I didn't think of it. If that was mine, then yeah, I would just did that. But I'm like, no, the homies pulled up and told me like what they wanted to do. It just so happened, I'm like, funny. So whatever they asked to do, we just did it funnily. That's all. Yeah. For folks who don't know, Myth Blazers was, you know, Myth Busters was out at the time, which was a show mm-hmm. where they bust myths. Mm-hmm. But you were doing mm-hmm. things where we were just finding our ways to just get high. Yeah, we tested the butter knife effect. If you could get uh-huh. like if you could get out putting the knives on the burner, we made a bong with that. We made a bong out of spark plug box. We we had you know what was crazy? And thank heavens we were never like <laughs> taken down for this. But do you remember we took my mechanic buddy and had him drive my fucking supercharged truck through a grocery store parking lot? <laughs> right. We made a, a fucking invisible obstacle course. People are shopping in all these stores. He's tearing through there in the in the fucking muscle car truck. Then we got him high and put him back in the truck <laughs> to do the same course again, bro. Like right now, we would have been done. That shit would have been on CNN in the morning. Site torn down. Everything would have been in the trash, bro. I can't believe it. But we were from a time, bro. That's why I say it was like the sixties and seventies because that's what the fuck was going on, bro. We at that point. Chip the Ripper told me at uh, A3C in Atlanta, and this is when Kids in the Hall were performing at this joint in Little Five Points, and uh, I was on the show, and they had just had, like, a record playing on Sports Center. Right. This show, this they were playing was, like, kind of corporate, you know? And then I just come fucking walking through, smoking <laughs> weed and shit, and everybody's, like, hassling me. And then Chip was like, yo, like, you know, like, 
everywhere he go is legal. Like, because he's here, the weed is legal. Like, he told that to the security dude, like, <laughs> in a calm, tip the ripper, like, he used the force. Like, he was like, wherever he goes, it's legal. Like, once he's there, after he leaves, nobody else can smoke weed. But while he's here, you know, and then, bam, they just let it go. We had a great show. It was fucking awesome. But pilot talk was that time, bro. Like, literally just going smoking it out. We're not going if we can't and and not being on bullshit and turning down deals and not going for the okie doke for the bag and telling people about it and letting them know, like, I have this El Camino that I paid cash for from the shows. I don't have a Ferrari yet because I did, the deal was bad. I'll get that shit as soon as they want to give me a deal where I can do whatever I want. And Pilot Talk was the was me just waving the banner for independence and for telling people to follow their mind. Like if you if you think you're right, stand on faith and support yourself. It doesn't matter who's not in your corner chiming in. Fuck them, you know, mash forward and do what you got to do. Because at the end of the day, it's all about you, you know. The blog air launched careers, people who we never heard before. You sort of found that niche during that time as somebody who was already there. How did you do that? Both of those situations were larger than me. Like, everybody loved me and wanted to give me a shot. So masterpiece, C murder, everybody. But at the end of the day, they still got a lot to do before they could get to me. I'm home. I don't make that much noise. I'm like, you don't even know if I'm in the room. So it's not going to be my turn yet. All right. Cash money. Lil Wayne is on is is at the point of becoming best rapper alive. So you cannot expect Universal Music Group to be sitting around fucking routing your career and trying to get you going because because dude has been going for a long time, but he's stepping into a world he never was in before at this point. So I'm like, nah, it's bro time. Like, fuck, like I can't even trip. Like my whole thing in both them situations was when I stepped away was like, I'm not leaving because shit's bad for me. I'm leaving because shit is good, super good for y'all. I have to take care of myself. I wanted to get my own and go through the process that they went through. And, and Mac Main, they both used to call me when I first left and was like, bro, like, think about your parents, bro. Like, you were about to try and buy them a bunch of shit. Like, why are you going to leave? Thank you for trying to avoid some of the speed bumps. But the, the scheduling is different. I can be making moves right now. Instead of me waiting on the back burner for you to get it done and then y'all can pay attention to me, I could just be somewhere else hustling as a as an underboss in a whole nother world. And, and lo and behold, I found where I was able to exist and, and end up touching some of the same paper like as if I would stay in, in, in one of them situations, you know? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's get into Pilot Talk. When was the last time you listened to Pilot Talk? I never listened to anything that I record. I heard Pilot Talk like with Dame Dash in the DD-172 when we lined everything up and it first came back on CD. We played it and then I was like, all right, like y'all know I don't fuck around with, like, with hearing me and I, I never heard it. So you never played back any of your albums once? 
I'm not going to act like that's crazy. I don't like to read the stuff I write back over, so I feel you on that, but I don't know why you don't. Hey, I mean, you know what you did. I know what I did. I'm not going to be, like, blown away by it because I said it. Like, I, as soon as I hear some, if I hear an amazing line, I'm like, what the fuck, I said it. Like, <laughs> so it's not like I could call a nigga who, who I'm listening to, like, bro, this shit is hard. So I just don't want to. That's just not my thing, bro. Like, I think because I've encountered people who have like other artists who like you might go to kick it with them. And, and the, that's all that that's banging is like they shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that, that always kind of to me. I just be like, whoa. So, you know, there's a lot of good music in the world, bro. There's a ton of shit to listen to. So I just listen to everything else and oldies, you know. But when I listen to Pilot Talk, I know I ordered. I bought a car like from an auction. I bought like a car from a Corvette collection because I was like, I think, I think I have some money like coming in, so I'm gonna spend <laughs> the money that I was holding on to. Uh-huh. And um, fuck, we never looked back after that. And I remember I had already had stacked up enough records for Pilot Talk too. And I remembered when DMX, God bless. I remember when DMX dropped those two albums while I was in school, like in the same school year. And I was like, damn, I'm. You can do that. Like, you know, I remember how that hit me. I was like, yes. So I was like, if people fuck with me, they're going to be super excited if we just come right back. So, you know, bam, and that that been my formula forever. But then you got to think about this, too. It was the fact that I was recording it between New York and New Orleans. I have always had this, this space in my heart for New York ever since then, but it had grown at that point. That was the, the inception of my love affair, like, with the city because... I had seen them turn away a lot of artists. I'd been on showcases and motherfuckers have had objects tossed at them. So I'm like, oh, fuck, you know? And OJ the Juice Man shit, and it's like, yo, these people, I be jamming, so they don't fuck with this. I'm from New Orleans, so I, I don't know what the fuck is gonna happen, but yeah, everything was love. And, I, and, and, and like they say, if you can make it there, you can make it anyway. So I was like, well, and then I noticed I noticed people in other areas receiving me differently kind of because of that, because it was, it wasn't no poop putts that was standing next to me. Like it's like Raekwon, you know, right. it's fucking, it's the locks like, yo, this nigga's nice, you know? So fucking <laughs> bam, everybody just start fucking with me. Ski beats is making the beats and he fucking right. produced reasonable doubt. You know what I'm saying? I got Dame Dash dancing around again. Jumping around all on fucking TV. Like, I fucking kind of did that shit. So so I didn't step back and listen to it because I I lived the life that created the sound. So it's like, I, you know, I could tell the stories without hearing that, without even hearing it. Pilot Talk brought a lot of good friendships into my life, you know? Do you remember the show I was talking about at South by Southwest that year? I mean, I'm, I'm sure I mean, you've done a million of them. I don't know if you remember that late night show. It was off of Sixth Street. It was a late night. I want to say it was like the Smokers, the Smokers Showcase or something like that. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I remember. I loved, I loved that shit because we, I, we, when South by Southwest, when we was going to that shit, me and Wiz used to just walk into everybody's fucking set. Like just, who's performing? It's the cool kids are in this one. Fuck it. Let's go. Just walk into that shit. Nobody's going to hassle us. Fucking smoke a bunch of weed. Ended up with a microphone, fucking break dance and shit, <laughs> fucking throw weed in the crowd, walk to the next thing. That was the shit, bro. Like, no security, no chain snatching, 
no cloud chasing motherfuckers trying to fight you on their phone and do shit. It just wasn't, it just wasn't no bullshit. It just, it was, it was, it was like when, when all the, like all the best players from AAU, like y'all all play bitty ball and then they get a bus and bring y'all to fucking Orlando or some shit, you know, it was like that. Cool, bro. And especially like those first couple of years, it was just like 20, 30, 40 people. I feel like it was just the same 40 rappers you saw yeah. that whole weekend. And everybody was just pulling up together. Like like you said, like pickup games. Like the shows were like pickup games. Yeah, 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 bro. I remember I would go, I I caught, I went to, I saw Camp Low. And fucking, uh-huh. then I had to go and do a set. And then I like went and I caught somebody else's shit. And then like I walked in the wish shit and, and fucking did, did like car service on his. And then he was like, smoke something. I was like, I got to go to this one. And then he was like, well, fuck it, let's go. So he came to that one. And then like I went to another one and like, Fucking when it this is when I knew it was about to change, bro. Like fucking Puff Daddy standing to the side. I'm rapping at Fatal Foot. Fucking Puff Daddy and Cassie are over there fucking right. doing moves. I'm like, man, <laughs> I don't know how long it's gonna be like this. Like this, this is crazy now. After that, it was, you know. I remember Lil Wayne did a big concert. I think it changed when Kanye flew that year Kanye flew in and then it just sort of got bigger after that. And that that's the tip the hat. To the blog era because right. we were the ones that were we were the ones that were watched by the ones everyone else was watching. Like that's they were cool because they knew to watch us. Motherfuckers was cool because they knew like you could you could surf these blogs. You guys were identityless and just working and going for just pro art. A lot of the musicians and, and the journalists, everybody was just pro art, just making good shit and not trying to stand right by it. This is, you know, and putting their face and name all over shit, you know. And so people could come there and check the temperature and know what's about to be next and then do it themselves and present it to the to the sheep like they're the ones who cooked it up, you know. But we're still making our money in the in, in the black rooms. So there was no point in even calling them out. It's like, fuck it, we just make money with them when they reach out. There was no way around us. You know what I'm saying? So we make that bread when y'all hit us because you know you ha- you're going to have to. What was your expectations for the album in terms of its performance and what happens when it came top 40? None. I had no expectations. I underestimate myself critically. But in this instance, I had no expectation because I, it was my, I never had an album. I had released this ain't no mixtape through Amalgam Digital, but like that that release, this shit was at every store, you know. So I I I, I had no expectations. Uh, Billboard for sure, I didn't think that was coming, and um, that was shocking because it there's people who live in the world that I don't live in. So when it when it gets to Billboard and shit, that's when you get calls from them. And they congratulate you and they tell you shit. And it's like, oh, all right, cool. You know, so I guess I'm like, I'm in that world right now. So that that's cool. I hadn't expected it to be as important to people as it as it proved to be through time. Because I released music so much. So um Pilot Talk is one of those ones that always comes back, you know, and people are always talking about it. And I can't pull the songs out of the set list. I wouldn't sell a concert ticket. I didn't perform those records. When you go out and people still talk about Pilot Talk, what are the things that they are saying about this album? I, bro, that it saved their lives because we were pushing a different message. 
there was rah rah music and then there was me and it was like you know the homies have guns i don't have one i i just bought this and it probably matches these and chicks like this blah 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 let's watch movies there's a lot of shit we can do what people say to me about it is is that the music shaped their ideas to start businesses some people tell me like i launched my clothing line because of this some people tell me like you know well this is why I got my master's. This is why I got this one, because it's a soundtrack to studying. People did, like, locked in and did whatever they were doing in, in any field. Corporate motherfuckers, with anything they were doing. Fucking Spice Adams always hit me in, like, brass shit was getting me through the gym. Like, I knew I could do, like, 12 more fucking reps because of that shit. I'm like, oh, all right, well, cool. I didn't know that that that, that verse was about that, but right. yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> It was locking in into people's DNA a different way. And I mean, fuck, it's to some people, it's it's the chronic. To some people, it's Snoop Dogg Doggy style. Because as I realized, as I, I do shit now and I'm like an OG and I stepped into that pretty well. And and a lot of the artists that's doing their thing right now with great stride, they always express how much they love me and, and how much they fuck with, with, with what pilot talk meant to them and shit. And uh, like, like Playboy Cardi is a good. That's my. That's that's a good buddy of mine. Like if we we ever cross paths, we got we the world freeze for a minute. We can't hear because we about to talk. You know what I'm saying? And then I know I'm gonna let you go back to hanging upside down and turning into a bat and all that stuff. Uh, like go for uh, it. I'm gonna go back and smoke me a joint. It's good, but he, you know, he is one of the ones who for sure like pull me to the side and be like, bro, like. Like, thanks, dog. Like, you know, just just because with that album, we showed a lot of people, like, just go, you know, just roll the dice. Roll the dice on yourself. Because if it doesn't work out, only person you can say, you know, it's your fault. And then you'll just do the next thing better. So, you know, that's why I say it was pushing independence. And then we fucked around and, and, and got some, some accolades behind it. How did the uh, Ski Beach relationship come about? When I went to a... He hang out with Dame Dash. He was listening to something. He was like, his son put him on, put him on to my shit, and just through him listening to all like the music that his son was put, putting him on. He was like, nah, like you need Ski, and him and Ski was was still jams. He had Ski pull up, and Ski was like, you from New Orleans? Like you want to rap on something? Like didn't he play me like some shit I didn't like? I'm like, no. And then he played something else. And I'm like, that's it right there. Was he trying to play like a New Orleans type of music? Yeah, I'm like, he's like, this is the kind of stuff you like. And then I'm like, yeah. So I, I did like five records like right in front of him. We never left each other's side after that because we was both having fun, you know? That's one of the things about Pilot Talk. Just your sound in general, especially then when people were chasing hits, there was still like thinking about clubs and like high energy and all that stuff. And you were leaning into folks who were just like, chilling and like it speaks to a different crowd of folks who still are enjoying themselves but in a sort of different way without getting out your your thing my music is for the motherfucker who end up in the club and be like i don't know why the fuck i'm in here mm. <laughs> but he know why he's in there and she knows uh-huh. why she's there he's there because this chick's there she's there because she wanted to wear something good and look good for a while but we'd be aggravating that motherfucker after like 20 minutes it's more so about getting dressed in the ride to the place, riding past the club before you park. I'm the soundtrack to that. I'm speaking to that part of you. You know, the, everybody else got the music for once you get in there and it's possibly going to run you back to your car while I'll be sitting there. 
with a joint in the ashtray waiting for you to serenade you <laughs> back to the crib. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I worked out. There's a one lyric in Pilot Talk that I think about more than anything. It's from Breakfast, where you talk about loading up 82 game season and updating the roster. And it's like, to me, like, I'm, it was like the most relatable shit I've ever heard in my entire life that anybody rapped about. Yeah, but that is real. It is real. Like, I feel it so incredibly much. To me, it felt like the first time I'd heard like my exact entire life. Yes. On the track. That's what I felt like when I heard Nature. Nature said he was on the plane. There was a ball by the private jet and they're like playing NBA 2K for two days straight. $50 a game. Let me polish my game. This is in 1998. No, 2000. This is 2000. This is when 2K was on a Sega Dreamcast. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. When he said that, I was like, man, like, yeah, the rap's about cutting the birds open and you and Nas Escobar fucking doing firm biz. That shit is hot, but I'm not doing that. I do have a Dreamcast. I do want to play games $50 a game. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That shit spoke to me. So I understand that. That's why I wanted to make sure that I, when I got in the game, like, that's what I always wanted to present. That at the end of the day, like, you still got to chill, bro. Even Scarface had to fucking sit in the hot tub and watch the Pelicans fly on the fucking screen and shit. So, so dial in the net, you know? That's, that's, that's the part of the human experience that I, that I want to speak to. So what was the most memorable moment of the recording process? The most memorable moment. Moment, <laughs> sir. Uh-huh. Were provided by my brother, Most Death. Let me tell you this. This dude, I don't know why he picked me out of the people he know in the world. But in 2009, you know, this guy just stopped his whole fucking shit and was like, bro, you are amazing. You're an amazing guy. You're a great brother. You know what I'm saying? Like, I saw footage of him. This is before Pilot Talk was being recorded. All I made was I made King Kong and like six other records. He asked me if he could have King Kong on the CD, gave it to him. He had a show in Oakland, and this is around the time where every everybody who did a show, and you were one of the journalists that would do this. You do a show, and you see the people from the black, like, right there. Right. Like, somewhere in the midst, in the crowd, like, just hanging. You know what I'm saying? Like, paid the money, did not flex. I need a press badge. And fucking somebody posted footage of Most Def at a show in Oakland, and he asked the crowd if he could stop and play some music that had changed his life. And he fucking played <laughs> King Kong. And he was like, uh-huh. if y'all never heard of this dude, y'all are going to hear about him tonight. And then you'll hear about him forever. Like after this, like, don't even worry about it. And he played King Kong. Like he would stop his show and do that shit. So after that, that was enough for me. I didn't want him. I didn't even expect him to get on the record. Then one day, fucking Ski Beats, Ski that making beats, Sienna Miller, from fucking G.I. Joe and a bunch of other movies. She's like there, like <laughs> dancing around and shit. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, I should make a song because this is this is like some kind of like model cougar or something. I don't know. Let me impress this lady. <laughs> so fucking ski, throw something on. Bam. So I'm rapping. Fucking most depth comes in with uh wasabi peas. He's eating wasabi peas. 
and doing some most deaf kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? He's like, oh, right. brother, like he's like, peace, peace, like brother Spiller, like brother currency. Would you mind if you know if I if I got on this record with you? I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? So he fucking he's rapping. And fucking uh, Jay Electronica barges in. And he's like, oh, oh, okay. So you don't fuck with me, you know, and I'm from the city. But oh, oh. I'm like, well, I mean, the beat's running. Fucking there's Jay Electronica. And Ski Beats is like looking at me through the monitor. Like, <laughs> like it's happening. It's happening. You know what I'm saying? So these dudes, so the day is born. The, the record, the day happened like right there. Fucking Dame comes down. He fucking heard the record and walked down the street with his assistant. They come back like with a box of champagnes. Everybody has a bottle of champagne. And my little mind is racing because I'm like, fuck, it's Dame Dash. Champagne. Uh, most yeah. <laughs> Electronica is here. Like, I'm I'm a rap like this. I am. I'm a, I'm rapping. I'm rapping my ass off. You know what I'm saying? So I'm <laughs> I'm fucking dancing and doing doing shit too. And uh the next day, the person Dan Dash, whenever, whenever notable people came to hang out with him, he was downstairs, you down the street, money? Come down, like come here. And I know what that meant was come down here and record a song in front of these people that are here. I want them to see how fast you write and how pure your fucking heart is with this music. Fucking come down here. So I like walked down and uh, did fucking uh, and I don't know. Maybe this was on Fire Talk too, or maybe it's on. I don't know. Airborne Aquarium. Where was that? That's the. I think it's the first song on Pilot Talk two. Oh, that's on two. Yeah, that's the first song on Pilot Talk two. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I remember two was. I remember that was in that setting. We got Audio Dope two. Yeah, that was in Jamaica. Okay. I recorded that in Jamaica, and I shot the video for Breakfast in Jamaica. Okay. Yeah. Audio Dope 2 was recorded in Jamaica and Address. Okay. Yeah, we fucking rented this fucking dope-ass house and hanging out with Lennox Lewis and shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, Lennox Lewis had fucking Donkey Kong barrels full of weed. Like, <laughs> like the barrels Donkey Kong throw down. Right, right, yeah. Uh-huh. He had those. Like a grab bag. You just go in there and grab what like how's that work? Yes, he had <laughs> barrels. I thought it was rum. I'm like, well, you know, we in Jamaica and dude, like, maybe he's like a brewer now. Maybe he stopped boxing. Uh-huh. He's got all these drums of fucking liquor, you know? It was fucking weed, bro. I'm like, yo, this shit is my mind was already fried on our technology and the way we grow weed out here. So that natural, like from the essence, weed. Wasn't really hitting me like I wanted it to. Right. And then I remember I was on Twitter and I'm like, man, I gotta find some fire out here. And then fucking Noriega fucking like, like Noriega fucking tweeted me back. And then somebody pulled up on me on a motorbike and gave me a garbage <laughs> bag full of weeds. Fucking crazy. But that's where those records came from. Okay. So how'd you end up in Jamaica? You were just out there on vacation or, or what? I had damn dash like back, you know, we was making moves. I was the homie at that point. So I was there. You know, I could have either just went back to New Orleans or stayed in New York, but he was like, money, you coming to Jamaica? I, fuck, I yeah. <laughs> Why not? I love the flight, you know, so I, I fucking went. I want to make sure you know the songs on the album. So, Audio Dope 2, King Kong, Seat Chains with Snoop, Breakfast, Roasted. Yo, Most Def made the original beat for Breakfast. Okay. The band and all played it back because it was a sample that he, that he looped, so we wasn't going to be able to 
finagle the bagel. But most was like just fucking around on a beat machine and like looping this sample and putting some drums to it. And I just was rapping. And he was like, yeah, let's do this shit. And I fucking rapped breakfast. Like that's how that happened. And then and then Ski fucking got the band to, to get together and make a make the, the beat around it. Well, that's why I said most did it. That's why I said that in the line. Like the because most did it. The only other thing I remember from that room, the most did that beat was when I got the verse back for seed change. It was the biggest day in D172 history because they all everybody in there had a lot of love for me. And they knew how I felt about Snoop. Like Snoop was not my uncle at that point. Like how that's like the homie. Like that was not the homie at that point. I didn't know if like we was gonna get an invoice from Cuzzo for the verse <laughs> or what. I didn't know like how how that shit worked. But but um but bro was down and he told me the same thing like how Dan said. He's like, man, my sons and shit listen to you and boom 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 boom. And and, and we had been locked in from that point on, but. But when they got the verse back, they didn't send it to my email. Um, Damon and, and his assistant, and everybody was calling my phone. It was like, yo, we got a cake. We got a cake. We got fucking pizza, wings, champagne here for you. Everybody is waiting for you to come here. And we just want to see you here, you, you know, hear the Snoop verse. It was like a fucking gender reveal or some shit. I fucking like came down there and they played it and I like, I like I had like tears fucking rolling out of my face like as soon as he started rapping because I was like he really on this bitch like I have a song with Snoop and like everybody was just like looking at me and shit and, and fucking that was just one big thing I remember from that from that album and people really like people really came to, like you say bro the community came together and and lended their talents to someone who had no budget. And, and because they fucked with, they seen what I've been through, and chose no sides. Because I did, I never presented that a side had to be chosen. I didn't leave these situations and talk down, say nothing about nobody. That wasn't my style. Like the first time I saw uh, Bird, man, that was the first thing he told me. Like I just like I done your shit. You just done it clean. I'm like, yeah, nothing. The only thing I could say is y'all niggas bought me a Jaguar. Like I didn't have right. a bag. Niggas, niggas got me a jag, like just through conversation. So it's fucking nothing, nothing I can say. So and I don't see where that's gonna help. I don't need to bring no light to me through through that. You know what I'm saying? So um all the everybody else in the industry who kind of saw what I went through and saw a bit of themselves in me was like, nah, I'ma fuck with little bro and 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 do this shit and just just take it on the chin, let this nigga have whatever. And it, and it worked out. Did you sort of have that same sort of relationship with Devin the Dude in terms of looking up to him? Yeah, I didn't expect him to even have time. Dude was on on the road and shit and just popped in. To have Snoop and Devin the Dude who, are, you know, Devin Dude, for those who do not know who, but you should, you know, one of the, also another ambassadors of, you know, talking about weed and rapping about it and just like laid back music and to have them all sort of converge like Voltron on one album is like a special thing. It's your album. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a special thing to have. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They were different, all different type of MCs, but all top tier. There was like a, a fraction of me that 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 thought maybe I was I would be like a backpack rapper at one point when I was young. I'm like, I don't know. I could do all this rap like a rap. If you could rap, you could just rap. 
So a motherfucker with a pen, a lyricist respect the pen that they see in me. A smooth motherfucking laid back motherfucker might not have the fucking lyrical dexterity, but can fucking groove and find the pocket on the beat. Appreciate my ability to do that. You know what I'm saying? Another motherfucker see something else and you know, so bam, it just it, it did that. It was a Voltron. I'm like, I'm a little Voltron because I've been inspired by so many people and I and I borrow the game from them in the right way. I don't never just I never like stole styles and shit. If I know you and shit and I could get a pass from you or something, like I then I do. If I embody something from somebody, believe I I spoke with them about it before I made the move and shit. So that's why everything be so smooth and genuine. Yeah, I want I want to go back to the most deaf thing because I because like New Orleans is, a, is an interesting city in the fact like sometimes when people are living in New Orleans like you you feel them living in New Orleans you know like when Solange is in New Orleans it was like oh Solange yeah. it was just every yeah. day you felt like Solange is in New Orleans <laughs> like when most deaf was in New Orleans it was like dude most deaf lives here you know what I'm saying like it you just knew he was there at all times like I remember the J Electronica show he did they did at Howlin' Wolf. And he pulled up with his own, like Don Cornelius mic, yeah, like the yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying that he would I guess he carry everywhere. No, that time was the motherfucker. Dude came down there to kick it because we was recording and it was like, bro, like I'm gonna move to this bitch. Like had me bringing like looking for cars and shit like that. Like like we was gonna fucking redo a Cadillac for him and all. He got a '93 Fleetwood right now that I'm about to redo for him. Okay, but that dude like he fell in love with the the vibe down here. That shit was crazy. How do you think the album is aged? It's always tough because I don't listen to my stuff. Right, right. I just know the times and Beeper Bill is prioritized on that album. Mm, yeah. Or is that probably talking? Yeah, prioritized on there. Yeah, yeah, with Nesby. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that was when I realized that maybe this shit was for real in New York. I had an apartment. I had did a couple shows. I might have had like maybe $3,500 cash in my freezer in a White Castle box. <laughs> I'm fucking calling home for homies now because I'm like, nigga, come up here and get next to these people, bro. Like, I don't know. She might come step in some shit. So I call him like, look, your ass make beats and rap. Come here so I can show you to these people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so fucking my dog pulled up as soon as he landed. We fucking we did that record and um we shot the video and shit before he left. And a lot of people and a lot of people in the game, they fucked with him and he used those relationships in multiple ways. Are there any things you remember that didn't make the album that, that were almost gonna make it? Yeah, bro. Um Take Off to Landon and it featured this was my boy and I think I wanna say his name was I want to say he was recording under the name, like, Curtis. It was a dude from New York. He used to bring a briefcase everywhere he went. It was a sh- little, like, he was like a little short dude like me, but he was about his business, though. Oh, oh, are you talking about curtains? 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 Was it yeah, yeah, curtains. curtains. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, bro. Curtains, dog. I think he's doing, uh, he's doing, like, fashion, fashion stuff now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was already one of them type of niggas anyway. Right. Yeah, right. curtains, dog. Me and curtains had a record that didn't go on the album. Take off to landing, and I loved that fucking record, bro. Yup. That's a blogger, a deep cut. What do you think is the legacy of Pilot Talk? Well, one you got to speak to the artwork, Dave Barnett. 
I can't fucking, we got to make sure we, I don't spell his name, do something. David Barnett fucking drew that intricate weed leaf pattern, blanketed New Orleans and New York City in it. And it represented my entire life. And it, and that artwork, I feel that when artists, there's going to be artists that do that because of that. Because of Pilot Talk. I'm going to be a little gray in the hair by then, but it'll come out and it'll be like when the motherfucker dropped their album and it's made like the doggy style cover. Right. Uh-huh. You know, that's going to happen. You immediately will know what type of artist this is just because he chose to do that. Okay. Like, because people never forgot about that shit. The music tied into what it looked like. And uh, that's one thing that, that, that I know will last forever. You know what I'm saying? Outside of the music, like fucking, I read an interview. I read some shit about LeBron James and the journalist said like, okay, it was after a loss. And they were like, okay, bright and early this morning, LeBron James is the first one in the gym and he's been working out to Currency's example, which is the intro. That's the first record on Pilot. And it's the whole thing about just, you know, rolling the dice on yourself and Proving the motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? What happened if you just stop listening to what to naysayers and shit? Just keep your head down, focus on the grind and shit like that. And I'm like, damn, you know, years down the line, one of the greatest basketball players in history. You know, Pie Talk is over. Many albums have come out. You see, bro, riding around to albums all the time on Instagram. List, he's a fucking A and R, okay? But he still <laughs> has to double back and go to right. the intro to fucking Pie Talk. So what is your relationship to these new artists as sort of the elder statesmen? Yeah, I'm like, dog, bro, I'm telling you, I'm, it's a blessing because I've been around dog enough to kind of see how he move. I'm literally unconsciously like dog to to those folks like my brother, like Larry June. He will stop an interview and say all the time, like currency called me and told me to rap on the smooth beats. You just make enough noises <laughs> to the beat, it's fine. So if you do this other shit, you're going to get people that really want to fuck with you because you're giving them something substantial. And we just did the Red Bull versus join him and uh, the SoundClash, him and uh, Babyface Ray. And as soon as, soon as Bro got off the stage, he came and, and, and passed off to Babyface Ray and all the fucking legends. All the young legends from Detroit, because they always showing me up too and tell me, like, big bro, like, you kind of like show niggas, you know, bam, bam, bam. But when Larry got up, he was like, thank you for calling me and telling me that shit that day. The ones that have taken some of the game that I, that I put out, they give it back the right way. And when they see me, they make it known. And you could tell if they're not doing no bozo shit, that's probably the one, you know, I'm probably in their corner. Who inspires you now? And who and like, what do you think is the album that sort of gives you that feel that Pilot Talk gave you out of the young folks that's out now? I like GT from Detroit. GT, V's, all them boys, they nice. I love this shit. GT give me the the feeling I used to get when I when when Max B, when I used to download new Max B shit every time I got something from Max B because I knew he was still in the mix. He was talented enough to be out of the mix but financially not in the position to be out of the mix. And I know how it is to be one foot in and one foot out. Like, yeah, you super dope, but you still got to do what you got to do. And, and 
My homie GT, he give me that. He give me that vibe, bro. Ready for it? Go. All right. Favorite Denzel Washington movie? Mo Better Blues. All right. What's on your po' boy? Catfish. Dressed or undressed? Just ketchup and pickles and butter. Who's your favorite rapper in New Orleans right now? Matt. Mm. Welcome back, Mac. Yes. Yeah. Currency 3D, not T, and Mac and Fiend dropped a banger on that album. Favorite Outkast album? AT Aliens because of uh, record deals. I mean, because of mainstream. I rapped over that beat and called it. Yeah. Before we go, I'd want to say, you know, we've talked about this community and all that stuff. I want to also thank you because you embraced me in New Orleans and in the blog air at that time. Whenever you were around, you always showed love and helped me, you know, make sure I was yeah, you know, a part of the stuff. And I was, I remember I went and saw the cool kids at the House of Blues. They had a 2K thing going on. You came on the tour bus. And um, I just remember the night ended with me eating a whole bunch of McDonald's that night. So appreciate you for sharing your... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it around. That's what I come to do forever, bro. I think that's what has endeared me into a lot of people's hearts, too. When I came through, bro, I brought, I brought the weed. I brought that shit. Everybody was smoking it. And outside of Snoop, people wasn't really in Devin. People wasn't addressing the fact that it was part of every day to the point where you kind of don't have to talk about it because it's what you do. So you talk about it in a different way. You don't have to fucking just like, you don't have to make a weed song. These are not artists who have a smoke song on the album. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because every song, even if it was the song about baby mama drama, the song about doing a drive by, the song about the dead homies, the fucking song about how much they fucking want to start a family. The weed was there. So, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> so that, 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 that's what I did, too. And I think I reminded them of that. Currency. Thank you so much for being here, for talking about your classic album, Pilot Talk, the blog era, just this incredible, like you said, once in a lifetime point in our lives. That's it for today. See you next time. This podcast is produced by Podville Media for Anscape, a Black-led media platform dedicated to creating, highlighting, and uplifting diverse Black stories. Anscape, where Blackness is infinite. Dina Morrison is the series producer. Our production team, Brittany Danielle, Rob Spiewak, Lenika Belfield-Martin, Ethan Sands, and Eli Nellis. The series was edited by Stephen Williams, Kelsey Johnson, and Rob Ford. Executive producers, Steve Reese, Elizabeth Elson, and Oscar Zabayos. Raina Kelly is Anscape's vice president and editor-in-chief. David Oku created the original artwork for the series. Special thanks to Tracy Smith, Mike Shahade, Rami Mogadam, Katie Lawson, Beth Stoikov, Anna Grambling, Ashley Melfi, John Gotti, Kelly Evans, Ryan Broadhead, and Kevin Wilson. And I'm your host, David Dennis Jr. Thank you for listening.